want to bring you to a moment, the early 2000s. I'm a teacher at Franklin Middle School. I just live a few blocks from the school. I ride my bike every day. And I'm mowing the lawn. The sun is out. It's probably a spring day, beautiful day. And I'm listening to a podcast about parenting. One, because I always wanted to be a parent. And two, I figured there might be some insights in here that I could use and leverage to interact better with my students. And what I learned is that I was the problem. (laughs) That was the punchline. Let's just get to that. And if I dealt with said problem, which was me, then all the other problems in my classroom might just go away. And that actually turned out to be true. What I learned from this dad on this podcast was that he would give his boys a lot of choice, right? A lot of freedom to choose good and bad decisions. And then he let them live with the consequences. And so, I, I mean, this could be another podcast in itself, but I thought that was a novel concept. The other thing I picked up from him was that he used this middle of the road language when his sons had this high negative energy because he didn't want to go on an emotional roller coaster with the kids. And I realized in that moment as a teacher, I was jumping on the emotional roller coaster every day, every class, right? And that never ended well for my students. It ended up them getting written up and sent out of class, right? And I take things too personally, so on and so forth. I'm sure you can relate, or I'm sure you've seen this play out in classrooms on your campus. So I learned a new way, a better way. I learned how to respond to things that would be triggering or hurtful in a middle-of-the-road way that would not escalate a situation, and the kids just stopped. And once I stopped escalating and jumping on the emotional roller coaster, I never wrote up a student again in my classroom. All of a sudden, overnight, teaching became quite easy. (laughs) That's why I'm so excited. This longer intro, I'm so excited to bring today's guests, Erica and Tiffany, who wrote a beautiful new book for our profession called Connecting Through Conversation. And the subtitle is A Playbook for Talking with Students. This is the book I needed as a teacher. It would have taught me so much more than what I just explained in this brief intro. And it's really a book that every every teacher needs. So pick this up for the teachers on your campus, for sure. Hey, it's Danny, Chief Ruckus Maker over at Better Leaders, Better Schools. I'm a principal development and retention expert. I am a best-selling author. I host not one, but two of the world's most downloaded podcasts. And this shows for you, a ruckus maker, which means you've made three commitments. You invest in your continuous learning and improvement. You challenge the status quo. And you're committed to designing the future of school now. And we'll be right back with our main episode after some messages from our show sponsors. Deliver on your school's vision with Harvard's Certificate in School Management and Leadership. Learn from Harvard Business and Education School faculty in self-paced, online professional development specifically designed for pre-K through 12 school leaders. Courses include Leading Change, Leading School Strategy and Innovation, Leading People, and Leading Learning. Get started at betterleadersbetterschools.com slash Harvard. Last year, teachers using TeachFX increased their student talk by an average of 40%. 
TeachFX uses AI to help teachers see the power of high leverage teaching practices in their own classroom level data. It's like having a personal instructional coach on your phone, your tablet, or laptop. Start your free pilot at teachfx.com slash better leaders. If executive functioning skills are integral to student success, then why aren't they taught explicitly and consistently in classrooms? I have no idea. I have no idea why that doesn't happen. But what I do know is that our friends over at Organized Binder have created a new course that will teach your teachers how to set up students for success via executive functioning skills. Learn more at organizedbinder.com slash go. Well, hey, Ruckus Makers. Today you get a two-for-one special, which is really great. Erica Bear, who's been actually on the podcast before, uh, is here again. And she's been an educator for over 20 years, currently serving as the assistant superintendent in the Ashland School District, a special educator at heart. She is passionate about supporting all students through individual supports to reach their limitless potential. And then Tiffany Burns is here as well, who loves working with kids. In her two decades in education, she taught elementary, middle, and high school students and worked as an instructional coach, curriculum writer, and university instructor in Oregon, Alaska, and Mexico. She loves her current role as an elementary school principal where she gets to lead and play with her favorite people, kids, and their grown-ups. Erica and Tiffany are here today to talk about their new book, Connecting Through Conversation, a playbook for talking with students. Erica and Tiffany, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having us. We're thrilled to be here. Thanks, Danny. Pleasure. Great to have you here. So, Tiffany, uh, kids were quite impulsive pre-pandemic, and now they might even be more impulsive. So tell me your kid in the tree story. (laughs) Well, I've had a few of those, actually, but there was one a few months ago that really stood out to me. So I was in the cafeteria with our kindergarten first and second grade students. And this group of students came up to me and let me know that another kiddo was having a pretty hard time. So I went over to check out what was going on and he was having a hard time. He was yelling, he was doing some name calling, and he was really talking about how upset he was that one of his friends had told his toptest secret. And so I was trying to, yeah, I mean, big deal. Toptest was clearly a big secret. And so I'm trying to, you know, de-escalate, get him calm, kind of remove the audience because it was causing a bit of a scene. And before I could do that, he bolted. Like he took off. He ran out of the cafeteria. He ran kind of behind this area of our building. So I took off after him. And when I got there, I found him about eight feet up in the tree. And so I had a choice at that point. Like I did not have an opportunity to just let him chill out and cool down. He's eight feet up in a tree and climbing. And so I, I took just a minute and took a beat, got, uh, you know, took a deep breath and gathered myself, made sure my feet were firmly on the ground and I was centered. Mm-hmm. And I didn't start by telling him to get out of the tree. I started by, I use the strategy that Erica and I talk about in the book, acknowledge, validate, coach. And so I started by acknowledging and saying like, wow, bud, you are super angry. You are so angry. You're mad that he told your top to secret and you're really upset. And he paused and stopped climbing. And so I was like, okay, I'm getting some traction here. We're in the right direction, you know? 
And then I moved into validating. And so then I'm telling him, I get it. I totally get it. That hurt your feelings. He told your secret. You feel pretty upset about that. I get why you'd want to run up here and hide. And he pauses and he looks at me. And so I was like, okay, we're getting there. We're getting there. And I was like, I get why you'd want to hide. And this is the point where I start moving into coach. And so what I said is, you know, it's really not super safe to be up here this high, you know, hiding in this tree. But what we can do is there's a place in my office that you could come hide. There's a super cozy bean bag and you can hang out in there for a bit and you can hide in there. And he's kind of looking at me and I'm going, all right, I've got him. And so at that point, then I said, um, so I can either help you to out of the tree or you can get down on your own. What do you think would work best? And he just started kind of working his way down the tree. And then I was able to walk with him back to my office where we had a more connected conversation. And there was a couple things that happened there. Like I stayed really calm. I did mm-hmm. acknowledge, validate, coach in that order. I think a lot of times as educators, we jump straight into coach, like down, out of the tree now. But when we stop and we don't do that, acknowledge and validate, students don't feel like we hear, like we're understanding them. Like I didn't, you know, when I did that, I was letting him know, I get that you're angry and I get why you're angry. And as soon as he felt heard and understood, then he was more available for that coaching piece. The other thing I did is I offered choices, but it wasn't, and I didn't ask the question. I didn't say, do you feel like coming down from the tree now? Like, no, that's not a question. It's a, I need you down from the tree, but I offered a choice. Do you want to get down on your own or would you like me to help you? So I gave him some agency and autonomy there and it ended up being a really successful conversation once we were not, you know, so high up the ground. Yeah, eight feet up a tree. That's quite impressive, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah. I think He's the skilled. immature me... I would have super asked like, okay, what's the view like up there type of thing? But uh, I really appreciate, you know, your heart-centered approach, acknowledging, validating. And like you said, uh, you're communicating to that kid, I get where you're at, right? And why you're upset. And that's literally the words you use too. Uh, And then gave, you know, some forced choice, right? So you're coming out of the tree. Would you like to do it on your own or with help? And uh, yeah, what a successful way to... to, uh, do that. So thanks for the kid in the tree story. Let's move on to talking about when you gave a micro PD to some education assistance. What's that story? What did you learn? Yeah. So, well, those kind of things happen frequently, right? So you're in this situation. Those are not super comfortable situations and you have to think on your feet really quickly. And so when I do professional development, I'm a, you know, I'm a, I'm an uh, administrator, I'm a principal, but I'm a teacher. So Mm -hmm. to me, it's really important when I do professional development, you know, that it's really engaging, that I'm using best practices, that I'm allowing opportunity for people to make meaning. So they're doing think pair shares and group talk and different activities. And we were having a meeting with our educational assistants and our student advocate, who's just a fabulous human. She said, you know, do you think that when you're sharing the educational assistance today, you could share some of your tips and tricks? And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and she said, you know, just those, the little things that you'll sometimes, the little nuggets that you share with me when I'm going to talk to a kid. And I was like, oh, yeah, I could do that. And so I started jotting down some ideas of like, don't ask a question if it's not a choice. You know, when mm-hmm. kids are getting louder and faster, we're going to go lower and slower. We're not going to force eye contact. A bunch of little things like that. I wrote them all down and we're 
you know, we're having this meeting on Zoom. It was still during a time when we couldn't gather together. And I'm sharing these little, little ideas, you know, that I have. And I'm looking at the educational assistants and they're writing everything that I'm saying down in this very, what I thought was a not engaging uh, PD opportunity. And when I realized how much they were writing it down and how serious they were taking it, you know, I realized how important and helpful those ideas can be when really connecting with students and when you're in those kind of intense, moving quickly situations. Yeah, that makes sense. And Erica, let's uh, let's bring you into the conversation. And Tiffy was just, you know, talking about sort of these things that uh, we almost devalue or discount because it's yeah. natural to us at this point. Yeah. But you see people, ooh, writing it all down because for them, it's paradigm shifting or a completely new worldview. So why do you think, Erica, that this information isn't uh, such common knowledge? Yeah, so... When we first started kind of working with groups and sharing this information out, we were a little kind of nervous that we were going to offend some folks who'd chosen to Mm -hmm. go into education by an idea that they didn't already know how to talk with kids. I think most of us got into it because we love kids. We love talking to kids. And that's not what we're saying at all, that folks don't know how to do it. It's really just that through our experience, through trial and error, through all of our kind of work digging into equity-based and trauma-based practices, we realize there's just a gap of resources. It's not something that's explicitly taught in our teacher administration prep programs. We found ourselves doing a whole lot of coaching with the folks that we worked with. Like, here, try this, use this sentence stem, think about this framing for that conversation. And it's just, it's not intuitive. And so when we're really coaching folks around building connection, we were feeding them a lot of tools that had started to feel intuitive to us, but really had come with a lot of time and practice. And it's only when it's done in a really thoughtful and systematic way that you can truly create a culture of connection in a classroom or school. And the tools just aren't intuitive. And so uh, writing them down felt important to us. Yeah. And that's what I guess part of the book uh, closes those gaps for readers. Is that uh, okay to say? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Tiffany and I had been uh, talking about doing a project together for years, right? We've worked together for a long time and we were in a meeting just last fall and debriefing some powerful conversations that Tiffany had with students and she was actually talking about that PD that she had done with her educational assistants. And as I'm leaving, she's like, that's the book, How to Talk with Kids That We Need. And I was like, oh yeah, that does sound like a great book. And I'm thinking she's like to buy for staff, to read myself, to kind of build up her skills. And so I went and I'm searching everywhere on them. Amazon, I'm on Google, yeah, I'm at the yeah. you know, Barnes and Noble, and there's nothing. And so I went back to him like, who's the author? I can't find this book. And she, you know, busts up laughing at me and she's like, no, that's the book we write. And I was like, oh, okay, that, that makes sense because there really is just a huge gap in resources and how to construct those day-to-day interactions, those conversations that we have every day, and then those higher stakes conversations in such a way that really builds that culture of connection in our schools. And educators just aren't always aware of the importance of paying attention to their own emotions, how they're expressing yeah. care on that daily, consistent basis, how to plan for those conversations, and just all of the different ways that communication plays a role in our school culture. And a lot of what mm-hmm. we talked about really does kind of go against instinct, right? So for example, mm. we're like super polite. So we always say, please... You know, you know, I'd really appreciate it if, and that really can set us up for pilot struggles if we're asking for something that's not a choice. 
We provide a perspective on eye contact that really goes against what's typical in, in white Western culture. Yeah, and look so at me. Just, yeah, exactly. May, you know, I look at my face when I'm talking to you, those kinds of things really, we were, a lot of us were raised that way. A lot of us, you know, had that ingrained in us just in, in the culture that we came up in. And so it's not instinctive. It's, and mm. so we needed to write it down. Yeah, there's a lot to learn there. Well, that's really cool. And I love that about your book, you know, when you see an opportunity and a gap, right? And you fill it. So it becomes very oh. useful. Uh, you know, just to mention very quick, I have a book coming out too on principal entry plans. And I didn't oh, see a lot out there. You, yeah. you know what I mean? And the ones I could find, it was like deep searching. If you put in entry plan, principal entry plan, nothing came up. And now yeah. one other book is out, but whatever. So uh, yeah. anyways, that's really great that you found that opportunity. In I love that you uh, worked, right, Erica and Tiffany, together on it. I know, Erica, you really resonate with this idea of isolation as a choice, right? Uh, And so how has your relationship with Tiffany benefited you? Yeah, well, I just, I so appreciate your platform because it really is a job where you can become isolated. And so bringing Mm. leaders together is so critical. But Tiffany... I, I can't even count all of the different ways that she's benefited me, both personally and professionally. We connected really early on. We went to the administration prep program together down here in Ashland. Right. And I knew I wanted to collaborate with her right away. She asked such good questions. And like any good ruckus maker, she was not satisfied with the answers oftentimes, especially if it was like, it's always been that way or it's not yeah. possible. Those things that can sometimes close the thing down. And she always has this way to gently push that moves, moves folks out of, outside of the box. So we connected there and we both ended up becoming administrators in the same district and at the same time. So we really relied on each other um, yeah. early on. And then throughout, we would get together at least once a month and just talk about how we were getting through every day, running scenarios by each other, asking for advice and just making each other better. So I'm really grateful for having Tiffany in my life. She shaped me as who I am as a leader today. So continued for at least 10 years now. Days keep ticking by. Cool. Well, hey, I'm I'm really enjoying our conversation and excited about your book, Connecting Through Conversation, a playbook for talking with students. We're going to pause here for a second and I'm going to share some messages from our sponsors. But on the other side, uh, Tiffany, I'd like to talk more about relationships, but this time in terms of uh, building strong relationships with kids. Learn how to successfully navigate change, shape your school's success, and empower your teams with Harvard Certificate in School Management and Leadership. You can get online professional development that fits your schedule. Courses include leading change, leading school strategy and innovation, leading people, and leading learning. You could apply today at betterleadersbetterschools.com slash Harvard. You know that, or you know what student engagement sounds like. Students ask questions, they build on each other's ideas. The classroom's alive with conversation. Creating that kind of classroom is much easier said than done. TeachFX helps teachers make it happen. Their AI provides teachers with insights into high-leverage teaching practices like how much student talk happened and which questions got students talking. TeachFX is like giving each teacher their own on-demand instructional coach to help them boost student engagement and learning as well as their own. It's eye-opening for teachers and scales the impact of each coach and principal. 
Ruckus makers can start a free pilot with your teachers today. Go to teachfx.com slash BLBS to launch a free pilot for your school. If your students are struggling to stay focused and your teachers are showing signs of burnout, you need to act right now. The good news is that there's a path forward. It is possible to lay the foundation to learning and re-energize teachers, and it's found through executive functioning skills. When students get practice with these skills, they can better self-regulate and they are more successful academically as a result. Our friends over at Organized Binder have released a new self-paced course that will teach you how to teach executive functioning skills and set your students up for success. The goal of this course is to help your students be more successful and get teachers back to the world and the work they were called to do. Learn more at organizedbinder.com. And last but not least, I have an awesome live event. It's happening July 14th through 16th in Denver, Colorado. And the guiding question of the event is, what would be possible on your campus if you were consistently operating at your best? You'll answer that question and 49 other school leaders will answer that question. Right now, we have two tickets available. So go to betterleadersbetterschools.com slash Denver 2023. And I'd love to see you there. All right, back the show with Erica and Tiffany. We're talking about their new book, which I highly recommend picking up. That book is called Connecting Through Conversation, a playbook for talking with students. And before the sponsor break, I mentioned that I'd love to hear from you, Tiffany, on your formula for building stronger relationships with kids. Yeah, well, for Erica and I, we really believe that at the very heart of education is connection. And so we're talking about connection between educators and students, educators and each other, and educators and families, you know, just connection all around with the humans that are in the school. And so at the foundation of that is really building connected relationships for learning. So as educators, we hear all the time that relationships are necessary for connecting with kids. I mean, any educator will tell you that relationships really matter. What Eric and I realized that a lot of people talk about why relationships are important, but we don't necessarily hear so much about how to do it. So we spent some time really talking and thinking about what makes a strong and connected relationship for learning. And we believe that there's three main components that must be in place. Those are listening, dignity, and trust. Mm. And so when we truly listen, kids will speak their truth. And in order for that to happen, we need to listen actively when we're talking with students. We need to seek to understand before we take action or move forward. We need to put away distractions so we don't want our phone out or checking our email. We don't want to be thinking about what's the next thing I'm going to say. We really want to be present and actively listening so we can truly hear what the student has to say. When we do that, students feel valued and seen and understood. And that in turn helps really acknowledge their identity. So, and when we're acknowledging our, their identity, then we're treating them with dignity. That's our next piece. And we really want to know our kids. So we want to learn their names, know how to pronounce them correctly, find out about their interests. What kind of music do they like? What are the cultural trends that they're into right now? And we want to appreciate who they are, celebrate who they are, celebrate their differences and their unique characteristics. And All of those things together really help acknowledge and affirm their dignity. When their dignity is affirmed, it helps build and foster, it helps build belonging. It fosters safe, welcoming, and inclusive environments. 
And those are environments where students trust us. And we know that kids need to trust us to learn from us. You know, learning is really risky. When we think about the last time we learned something new, like really learned a new concept or skill, there may or may not have been someone watching us. For kids, we ask them to engage in this productive struggle every day. And a lot of the times we ask them to do it publicly. For a Mm. whole bunch of kids, that can be just unbelievably terrifying. So they need to trust us so that they can make mistakes, so they can ask questions. And, you know, to be able to set that up, to have this connected relationship for learning, we really have to have all of those components in place, that listening, dignity, and trust. And then, you know, when we have those, we can move mountains. There's, we can do all kinds of things. Absolutely. And uh, shout out to Carlos, who is just really resonating with that idea of active listening and staying in the moment. So thank you, Carlos, for the comment. I just want to highlight too, you know, it's such low-hanging fruit, but under, like knowing everybody's name and learning how to pronounce, just do that, right? So my wife's surname, because uh, she's Zimbabwean, is uh, Mutambudzi. It is very phonetic. It's so easy to pronounce. So easy, right? But it's got a lot of letters. And what's so interesting is when we lived in like Scotland, let's say that, for example, the post carrier, right, would come by and say delivery for, you know, Mutambudzi and they would attempt it and get it right most of the time. And here, it's just, it's an observation and it's disappointing to be honest, but so often on the phone or whatever, like people in America will see that name and say, oh, you know, I can't even, like they say, I can't even do that. Like, what are you talking about? It's so phonetic, you know, or we live on Tecumseh Road, you know, that's pretty, I don't know. I think it's kind of easy or or try it. But when I'll tell people on the phone, like, here's where we, oh, you're going to have to spell that for me. Yeah, there's no way, right? And I just, those kind of comments ooze so much uh, privilege, you know, or I don't want to say like, I don't know what the opposite of curiosity is, but like, oh, I don't even want to attempt to learn this thing. So I don't know if I'm opening up a can of worms, but get to know people's names, learn how to say them. Is there anything I'm sharing that you're resonating with that you want to comment on as well or we can keep moving on? No, I think absolutely. I think for students, if somebody knows their name and and really pronounces, I mean, as a principal, I work really hard to know every single student's name it matters. They light up when you say their name and you know how to pronounce it yeah. correctly. You know, and I'll say things like, you know, remind me your name or can you remind me how to pronounce that? I want to make sure I get it right. And then I'll practice it with them and make sure that I'm getting it right. The other thing that I'll do at school is, you know, if somebody's pronouncing someone's name incorrectly, really gently, I'll help them pronounce it correctly. <laughs> it's important that we, um, that we help each other out with that as well. Yeah. I also think it's really about knowing our students and our families too, right? So it's knowing the kid's name, knowing a little bit about them, figuring out who's their mom, who's their person they're living with, what's their dog's name. As much as we can integrate into our conversations with them about the fact that we see them, we value them, we appreciate what's unique about them goes so far in building those relationships that will allow us to really make connections. Yeah. It's not a, it's not rocket science. You want to have a great no. campus, a great school, value people, do whatever right. you can to communicate yeah. that you value them and great stuff happens. So 
Yeah. Uh, Erica, I want to go back. You know, you mentioned how you appreciate being polite and sometimes that, you know, uh, might invite like a power struggle. So I'm, right. I'm, I don't know if anybody's listening or watching and thinking about that. Just what advice do you have for ruckus makers in terms of avoiding power struggles? And yeah, we've all been there, right? I think yeah. you ask a student for something that feels really small or a really quick redirection, and all of a sudden they're responding with this, you know, invitation yeah. to rumble in some kind of way. And what we know for sure is that as soon as we've engaged in a power struggle with a kid, we have lost. So the best course of action, of course, is to just avoid them in the first place. Something as basic, and we talked about this a little bit, but making sure that we don't frame non-requests as questions can make a big difference. Right. So. For example, instead of saying to a student, can you please take your seat? You would might say, you can take your seat now or you may take your seat. And it just, it, that subtle word change can make a really big difference. A technique that, that I really like is the say it and run technique, which is essentially share the expectation and then get away as fast as you can. So for example, if a student puts their phone on the desk right after you reminded everyone to put it away, you might yell next to them and say, hey, I'm going to enter attendance. You can either put your phone in your pocket or your backpack and then get out of there and start entering attendance before they respond. Sometimes just by removing yourself, you're allowing them to save some face, right? Like they're not going to get into it with you and it makes them e makes it easier for them to just follow the expectation. Another kind of favorite quick reframing is to let students know we wish we could do whatever it is that they were wanting to do. Like Tiffany saying before, mm. I wish we could climb trees at school. And so, for example, when I was at the high school, we had a tardy problem. When I was chatting with a student with, about why they were late, you know, again, and they started to go on and on about how in the world can we expect them to show up at time when school starts so early and it's unreasonable that school starts so early. And my response was, you know, I really wish we did start later. Like I would love to get a little more sleep. We know what research says about later start times. Like I wish that was true. I think you should really consider writing a letter to the school board. Like let's see what we could do to change this. And until then, you need to be on time. And it just took all of the fight out because there was nothing to convince me of. Like, I'm with you. I really wish we could start later. And that did have a happy ending. We were able, we didn't have a power struggle and we did end up moving the start time later. So um, it was a win. But just taking out that need to argue is really helpful. And we have a ton of really specific kind of tips, techniques, sentence stems on our website. Would love for folks to check that out if they want to learn more free resources. What's the website? www.connectingthroughconversation.com. Brilliant. We'll have that in the yeah. show notes for folks too. I, I so you. resonate with everything you're, you're sharing. And uh, I wish I had this book, you know, when I was still in the classroom. I came across a podcast episode. It was discussing parenting. And uh, I, I learned so much about how this dad interacted with his kids. I applied the lesson into the classroom. And what I'm sensing is that this book delivers like that podcast episode did because it gave me an approach. And what I realized is to manage my emotion, manage my energy, stop getting in power struggles with students. And when they would say things that were hurtful or uh, embarrassing or even, you know, might trigger me and make me angry, right? Like they do that. And sometimes mm -hmm. intentionally, I realized uh, I would get into an escalating uh, relationship, you know, with them. 
it will only make things worse and it would end up with them getting written up and sent out of class, right? I never gave myself a timeout, by the way. And (laughs) once I had that epiphany and that aha in the language to essentially kind of, uh, it was almost like a Jedi. A kid would say something and I would not agree or disagree. I would have a very in the middle response, like maybe, right? Uh You're the worst teacher. You're probably right. Maybe, right? And they're like, what do you mean? I just, you know, I just insulted you in front of all my peers. You're supposed to now fight back and tell me I'm a bad kid and write me up. And I wouldn't, I refuse to do that. Once I learned that lesson, I didn't write up a single kid ever again. And that taught me it was me, right? Because the kids didn't necessarily change. We stopped with the escalation, right? But my response to those behaviors changed. And then the behavior started to go in a way. And then there was no no more need. So that's why I highly recommend your work. It's so practical like that and show you how to teach with kids. Like, wow, what a gift to our, our profession. So that said, uh, let's move on to the last three questions I ask all my guests. This is for both of you, this one. Uh, we'll start with you, Tiffany. But basically, if you could put one message, right, on all marquees, on every campus around the world for a single day, what would your message be? At the heart of education is connection. Gotcha. Second message, get out of the tree. (laughs) I get that you're angry. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Safely, safely get down. (laughs) Erica, what would your message be? I would say we build connected relationships for learning. I guess if we just put that out there as this is what we do here, then we can work together as a community and make it happen. Erica's been on the show before. So Tiffany, I'm going to give you the dream school question. You're building your dream school. You have no constraints in terms of resources, your only limitations, your ability to imagine. So how would Tiffany build her dream school? What would be the three guiding principles? Oh my goodness. Well, Danny, I just built my dream school. We actually mm. just opened it. Yeah, we opened it. Uh, it opened on Monday where we, last Monday where we invited kids in. And so Congrats. it was a, it's a family filled place. So we had a family, we have a family room that is fully equipped with a washer and dryer, a coffee maker, a dishwasher and a microwave and a really a comfy place for families to be able to come in and connect and gather. And then really kid centered spaces. So we have sensory spaces kind of all around the school. We have a quiet corner in every classroom with different sensory tools for calming and de-escalation. We have a restaurant style cafe. So there's no industrial tables. Like it's more of, you know, smaller circle tables or bigger bistro tables or different oval areas or, you know, spots for kids to connect with one another. And then off to the side, we have what's called a sensory cafe. So it's still part of the cafe. There's all glass windows on the side, but it's a noise reduction. So students that have different sensory or overstimulation issues can still be part of our, be part of our school. Lots of outdoor learning spaces. So an opportunity to be outside. We have a huge courtyard and a garden. But if there were no limitations and I could totally make it my own school, I would hire a bunch more staff and pay them a bunch more money. Awesome. And Erica, you can have the last word. We covered a lot of ground today. So of everything we discussed, what's the one thing you want a ruckus maker to remember? So I think... I would encourage all of the ruckus makers listening to really focus in on how each interaction that you have with a student or a fellow educator is serving to build a connected relationship for learning. 
and to know and give yourself grace. Like it's not always instinctive or easy. It's oftentimes really hard. So prepare, write it down, make a plan. And we got into this because we love kids. So use your conversations to make sure that they feel that every single day. Thanks for listening to the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast, Ruckus Maker. If you have a question or would like to connect, my email, daniel at betterleadersbetterschools.com or hit me up on Twitter at Alien Earbud. If the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast is helping you grow as a school leader, then please help us serve more ruckus makers like you. You can subscribe, leave an honest rating and review, or share on social media with your biggest takeaway from the episode. Extra credit for tagging me on Twitter at Alien Earbud and using the hashtag BLBS. Level up your leadership at betterleadersbetterschools.com and talk to you next time. Until then, class dismissed.